Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. For Colleen Thomas, it's all about movement and communication. A New York-based choreographer and performance artist, her company, Colleen Thomas Dance, has performed all over the U.S., Europe, Asia, South America. It, quote, explores human connection through intimate conversation between moving bodies and works to narrow the divide between the audience and the performers for the audience to see themselves and the dancers. Colleen, who began her professional career with the Miami Ballet and has worked with many renowned choreographers, is also the co-director of the Lit series. It showcases works by emerging and well-established artists who also explore new ideas. A full professor of professional practice at New York's Barnard College, Colleen has also been an adjunct faculty member at the Brooklyn campus of Long Island University, the New School in Manhattan, Skidmore College in upstate New York, and Bates College in Maine. She has a bachelor's in psychology from the State University of New York and a master's in dance from the University of Wisconsin. So let's meet and get to know Colleen Thomas. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. So, Colleen, did you always move around when you were growing up? I mean, did you... Yeah. have to dance and kind of carry on when yeah. you were a kid? I, well, I started dancing when I was four, so I guess I can't really remember before that. I just remember my mother asking, do you want to take dance class? They were having, we grew up on Governor's Island, and they were Which having- Which is off New York City, yes, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. There was a great teacher there, and they asked if I wanted to take class. I said, sure, and that was the beginning. So she could have simply asked you if you wanted to go to a soccer camp, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess but there was, was something just... in the paper, and so, yeah. Just... And so it spoke to you, I mean, even at age four? I had a wonderful teacher, which I think is really an important part of it, and it was tap and ballet, and, and she just- put on performances and we had these great classes in the school gym and um yeah it was just it was just something i fell in love with and then i i continued doing it mostly all the time i just mm-hmm. every day after school would take dance class so and all different forms of dance right yeah or... i started to go uh yeah more into ballet probably in my uh, when we moved to we moved to miami and i started taking ballet class probably middle school mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Sort of time. and professionals told you you had talent I think I I was always encouraged and always felt supported by my teachers and they were professionals and so yeah I felt a very I had a very positive education in dance mm-hmm. um and didn't deal with um some of the negatives that people maybe feel going, growing up in the ballet world it made me feel good it made me feel like I could express myself and um I I felt, I think even back then, the power of, to heal that dance has, you know. And so I, I found modern later in my, maybe like my last few years of high school, I found a modern teacher that I enjoyed and choreography that I sort of was lit by. And so I started to, to dive into that a little bit. But um, yeah, ballet mostly and then modern in my later, you know, around 18 and as I said in the introduction, that you went to the State University of New York and you mm-hmm. got a psychology degree. Mm. How did that marry with this? Was it a passion for dance? Was it, and I don't mean, when I say mm-hmm. just a hobby, I don't mean just. Mm-hmm. Why did you not think that I'd like to go to the American Ballet School or oh, whatever? right, right, right. Well, I went to SUNY to um, the school way after my career. <laughs> so oh. I went later in life. Okay. So I went to SUNY Purchase right after the Miami Ballet. I went to 
purchase for only a year. And then I left because I figured, coming from the ballet world, I thought I have to dance young. There's, I have to do it now. Right. So I moved to New York to dance, and I danced professionally with many companies, Donald Byrd, B.B. Miller, Bill T. Jones. Okay. And so I danced and toured for years, and then around um, 30 years old, I decided that I was going to go back to school and I wasn't sure if I was going to leave the career or if I needed to go into something else. And so I, I, I started looking into psychology and was interested in that. Oh, so, so yeah. this was a, a quote later in life. Yes, yes, yes. So when y- your family moved to Miami, mm-hmm. was that a difficult move for you in the sense that you kind of thought, I, I have to be in Manhattan? Yeah, if yeah. I, I think I didn't know because I was on Governor's Island, so I thought Manhattan was like Governor's Island, which it's not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. And so I think that was my ideal New York was that island, mm-hmm. and then I. Moved. I think you should explain to people. Oh yeah, what so Governor's Island is because it's very is, unique. Was a small com- is a small community and 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 an island. You take a ferry to get there right. at the at South Ferry, and there was one public school, middle school. So if I had made it to high school, I would have had to go into the city for high school. So mm-hmm. it's just a middle school. And then there was a, you know, a McDonald's, a bowling alley, one theater, and a bunch of housing for Coast Guard. My dad was in the Coast Guard, so that's, that's yes, why we so lived there. Yes, so it was there. a very specific community who yes. lived on Governor's Island. Yeah, yes. yeah. So when we left and went to Miami, I sort of felt... It was new, it was, but but I had been used to being in a in a Coast Guard family. We had moved little places and come back to New York, so mm-hmm. I had moved enough to know it wasn't a shock to leave my friends or anything. Mm-hmm. And then um, getting to Miami and and studying at the conservatory, I sort of was like, oh, it's it was a whole new world. I wasn't allowed to go on point yet, and I had already been on point because my feet hadn't um, developed enough, so they were trying to be safe. And how old were you? I think I was in, um, I was going into seventh grade. Oh, so you were really young when your family moved to Miami. Yeah, yeah. But it was more of a professional school, the way that it was run Mm -hmm. in Miami, so they wouldn't let me go on point yet, and, you know, but... And we had performances, and we did the Nutcracker, and people came and auditioned, and you know the schools came and auditioned. SAB, the summer programs came and auditioned there, and so I did. I did do summers in places like Boston Ballet, and you know summer um, ballet programs. But it was more of a professional feeling, and I fell so in love with dance there. I mm-hmm. just remember thinking, staying up at night and thinking, all I want to do is dance all day and and perform, and that's what I I knew I wanted to do that then. Mm-hmm. And so then, and the rigidity of it or the regiment of it didn't phase you or bother you. Not then. My teachers weren't that way. Okay. I had a beautiful teacher named Thomas Armour, and. It was more about the quality and the dance rather than the technique and the being perfect, like that kind. Of, we I didn't get any of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It was mm-hmm. very much about how to live in the dance. So I feel like my modern sensibility sort of was already in there and already That's terrific. already that there supported. There wasn't a super rigidity to yeah, this. That was already was... supported. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Um, as I got older in high school, I started feeling like, what I want to do, I started meeting some people that who came from modern companies, and I started thinking, what I want to do is travel the world and with a small company, so I was already thinking more of a modern 
paradigm. Rather. But were you in the Miami Ballet at that point? I was in the Miami Ballet. Yeah, it was a it was a uh, it was a regional company there, and it was nineteen eighty five or six. Uh huh. And, and you so were how old? I was eighteen or okay. seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I started thinking that I wanted to live in New York because these are where these companies, these people that I had met where they were in ALE and they were in Limon, you sure, know, so I wanted sure. to do what they did, which was like travel with a small group of people and perform all over the world. And so that's what I was thinking I wanted to do. So, But yeah. that's great to be able yeah. to know what you yeah. wanted to do. I think it just made my body feel so good mm -hmm. to be that physical. And so I... You, I felt like this feeling is what I want to hold on to. And this feeling More is so what I want to share. More so than what gave to you in Yeah, I mean, I think that even the, the, physical, the physical practice of ballet made me feel that way. You know, mm -hmm. the endorphins were released, the mm -hmm. muscles were used, the blood was flowing, and, and I didn't have any sort of like hard reg regimen, mm -hmm. you know, that, that a negative, I didn't have a negative feeling around it. Did you feel that, Ballet didn't afford you that much expression? No, I mean, I remember one of my first choreographers saying that I had left ballet and come to modern because I couldn't express myself as much. But I think at that, but that wasn't really true for me, I don't uh -huh. think. I mean, but you could you understand how somebody might think that? Yeah. I'm very extroverted and the out on the outside. It seems mm -hmm. like that I am, even though I think I'm an introvert. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that definitely. I started to follow my feeling a little bit more after high school. So I started to like see companies and whenever I would see a company and I'd cry, I was like, I want to dance for them. Mm -hmm. And it really mm -hmm. was just this thing where I, fo I followed this thing of like, and I'm not a big crier. Mm -hmm. So if something moved no, me that much. No, don't feel sorry much, for yourself either. Yeah, uh -huh. no, no. And so something about like being moved that much by seeing other bodies dance right. made me want to go into that style or that company or that, mm -hmm. you know? So, and and really that being moved that strongly was really an impetus for many of the people that I auditioned for and, you know. So what was that like for you, even though you were a New Yorker, to come back? Mm -hmm. I had come here like for a Joffrey summer. You know, I was a Joffrey trainee for okay. while I was in high school. So I had come back a few times. Mm -hmm. And of course, my family always, my dad went to NYU and he was a film major there. And so... We kind of idealized New York. They love New York. And so I, it wasn't that scary to me. But coming back and realizing it's not like Governor's Island was a little bit of a... <laughs> well, I don't mean scary in yeah, terms yeah. of just that you've, you're, you've kind of hit the big time here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. what would that be like to navigate on your own in terms of breaking into a company or oh, you know, right, starting right, right. from scratch that way, yeah. even though you had street cred? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot different now for people, you know, and the students that I teach in dance, like how it happened for much of my generation was different. But I had gone to purchase for a year, so I was close to the city, so I'd come in and come to auditions. You know, I started auditioning. Mm -hmm. My professors at Purchase would say, just go in, audition for everything. I auditioned for ballet and modern companies and was just seeing what where mm -hmm. I landed. And so, yeah, you just build your community. You know, I waitressed, I personal trained, mm -hmm. and, I, mm -hmm. and I went to auditions, and I did little gigs, and I did a lot of gigs for free, and, you know, we danced for each other. You I danced your for dues. friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so, and, and, yeah, it was it's, it was hard, and I was about to quit every other year, you mm -hmm. know. But but it just 
it started to really feed me um, in a different way besides monetarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I think that like, it made sense the trajectory, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. all of my friends were doing the same thing. You know, what does it mean to be a performance artist? For me, it feels like I'm not only dancing. Like I'm, it's not only pure form and content anymore for me. It's regardless of the type of dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's also I'm trying to be human in in the in the piece so that I relate to the audience a little bit. So the audience relates to what's happening on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of performance art is maybe performed in museums or galleries where the audience is sort of not sitting in a sort of staged presence way so they they can walk amongst the performers and that's not what I'm doing with this piece but I want it to feel like the audience is watching themselves or somebody they know somebody that they feel comfortable with mm-hmm. something somebody that they understand so I am I am a performer but I don't want to feel like there's this wall between me and the audience, right? Where you, where I would sit back and say, "Well, there's no way I could, you know, yeah. do what Wendy Whalen does." Yeah, or know? feel, or feel alienated, or deal with your own crap while you're watching it, or you know, like around, or or, or just the simple thing of, what does that mean? How do I? I don't get it, and you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. all of those questions. Like, I'm really interested now in trying to figure out how to help people feel comfortable, you know, Mm non-dancers feel Mm -hmm. comfortable Mm -hmm. um, and experience the joy of what this art form can offer. You auditioned, you performed with different choreographers, Mm -hmm. and then one day you just said, I got to I got to start on my own. I got oh, yeah, I got to yeah, form yeah. my own company. Well, what happened was I was thinking about moving out of the dance field um, because I was getting older and I was and I was dancing with Bill T. Jones, which for me was the top. You know, he was just sure. Um, He's I was, big. Yeah. And I was so um, in awe of him and his work. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go back to school and and look into something. And of course, I was going to therapy because I was at that point in my life. So I thought, oh, this is at crossroads. Oh my god, it's so great. How old were you? I was around 29. Yeah, yeah, because you said 30 when you went back to school. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I started going back to school, but it was a kind of professionals going back to school sort of. You were, still, were you still dancing? I was still dancing, mm-hmm. yeah. And and actually during other companies, I had gone to Hunter for a few classes. I was getting things out of the way, like mm-hmm. finishing my uh, credits. And then what happened was a friend of mine said, why don't you just do this one show? I'm doing this show with this guy named Bill Young, and I want you. To, why don't you just do it? And I said, I'm quitting. I'm not going to do this show. And then I ended up being coerced to do it. And I met Bill Young and his work did a lot of contact improvisation. What does that mean? It's a form of dancing where two people are touching and sharing weight. So nobody's in charge of the dance. You sort of are both improvising in the moment and both following the weight and lifts come out of this. And it's very... It's very equal. Women lift men. Little people lift big people and vice versa. So it's a it's a beautiful form of improvisation of partnering okay. that really was the opposite of ballet training or... And no I had, rigidity. Yeah. And I had done contact improvisation in performances, but not really studied it or understood it. 
you know, like a like an, in choreography, somebody would have me jump at this guy and mm-hmm. and roll to the floor, but I didn't really understand what How I do was you doing for something like that. You know, they just say do it, and you just want to keep your job, so you do it. <laughs> you know, so if each night could be yeah. a very different interaction. Oh, for improvisation. Yes, yeah, for yeah, improvisation. yeah, 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 yeah. But some people use it and then set it, so they choreograph it. So you would do that in a rehearsal, and you would video it, and then you'd go, okay, I love the way that lift works. Let's gotcha. do that lift here, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you practice that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So um, what happened was Bill Young did this kind of work, and in this piece, I was studying this kind of work, and I kind of just loved it. There was so much freedom in it. I didn't have to, like, plan but I was what the step was going to be. But these surprising lifts and jumps and sort of partnering things would happen. And so I was really interested in it. And then I and so I stayed in that company for a little bit. Like I started working with them and touring. He toured a lot, you know, in, in Eastern Europe and in South America. So there were a lot of like great opportunities to share with other cultures how many people were in his company? About seven. About Ooh, seven. Oh, that's that, that intimate. That's yeah, small. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And and they were, you know, my friend who had brought me into the company was mm-hmm. in that company, so I had a lot of really good friends. Anyway, then I started um, choreographing with him. So I started making works with him, mm-hmm. and then I started being the co-choreographer of that company. Mm-hmm. And so for about six years, I was working with him. And then we started dating, and now we're married, and we have two kids. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious! <laughs> and I still work with the, this company, and we are we we tour. That and sounds like yeah. something out of a movie, but I but it also seems contrived. You know, I mean, no, that's really crazy, real, but it's real. Yeah, uh-huh. you did that for six years all over the place. Yeah, uh huh. And then you said to yourself. Well, I was choreographing with him, and you right, know, so you were, right, you were already starting. So I was starting already that. starting, but it was yeah. safe because I was doing it with somebody else, and with somebody else who had had a company. So there was something about, for me, that he already had this company, and he was, he was a man. I mean, he's a man. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there was a lot for me that I wanted to have. I just wanted to go out on my own and know what my own voice was and do it on my own. So I started choreographing little things on my own for him no on my own okay. like I would do a sh- I did a show at the Joy Soho you know I want to do so I would make a I would make a work and I would put on my own show separate from and it was just you it was just me and then I would hire dancers and I would have my friends do you know the pieces and mm-hmm. it would be at the Joy Soho it was like a full evening length piece it had a full evening length night so there was four pieces in it so i for people who don't know joyce theater is really big yeah for well, dance. i was at the joyce soho so it was their small more intimate theater. yeah they don't mm-hmm. have it anymore i don't think there was a nice place for emerging choreographers mm-hmm. to sort of try to show work and they they had a nice um a nice setup but yeah i started doing it on my own smally small in that way and then went further <laughs> was it an easy transition to get the word out so that I would come. No, it's never easy. Mm-hmm. And it was really not easy at the beginning. It's still not easy to get people to come nowadays, you know? And it's and I just think I I went to a long table talk about does dance matter in America that Ava Yasanto was put together at Gibney and it sort of was like how do we get the audience to come in? How do we get the audience to mm-hmm. care, to be involved, mm-hmm. and 
to want to mm-hmm. see dance like they listen to music and go to art galleries and mm-hmm. and so um yeah it's a job to get the word out there and to sort of have people interested and connect mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. like you said I want to connect to the audience that's why we do this <laughs> so tell me what the process is for you to come up with a performance a performance yes please yeah. in the last few years it's been about really something I feel like I need to express, I need to comment or Mm -hmm. express what my environment, what's going on in the environment around me. I feel like besides the seed of the movement and besides the seed of everything I believe in, that that movement can heal and that movement can express and that audiences can feel through watching movement, that they can feel a sort of kinetic transference through the watching of movement, and they can experience it almost as if they are doing it, because now there's scientific studies that show that if you are watching something, there's something in your brain that happens that's almost the same as when you are doing the thing. You're talking about me? <laughs> are, you, are you talking no, about me? No. <laughs> So I feel like there's the work that I'm making now is a comment on what it is that I am feeling and experiencing in this world. And and because I'm a woman in this world and we're all experiencing, um, you know, a heightened I'm experiencing a heightened awareness of misogyny, maybe because I feel like I sort of woke up to it in 2016. Maybe I wasn't really as aware. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I Mm kind of thought oh, I'm just not good enough or something is not like something's not I'm not smart enough or talented enough or loud enough in that um, meeting or, you know, whatever, you know, compared to my male counterparts. So maybe I didn't I didn't really see it as any kind of sexism or misogyny or anything. But I think 2016 really woke me up. (laughs) So So. the professional Mm -hmm. became the personal and the political. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. What was that like to start a company? Nowadays, people do a lot of work to sort of pick up company work. I'm unable to pay dancers for an entire year or a season, right? So I get a project. I write all the grants around it. I ask the dancers. What do you mean you get a project? You or I, or somebody commissions I, you, or, or well, sometimes somebody will commission me, yes. or rarely. But or if I decide that I need to make this piece, mm-hmm. I find dancers that want to work on this piece that feel similarly. And, well, you have and a, a, a um, you know a pool because I've been in New York for so long. There are dancers that I work with, mm-hmm. and there are dancers that Bill and I work with, and there are dancers, you know. So there are there are dancers that I love and think are amazing to be in the studio with and mm-hmm. so and then I start writing the grants around it and start talking about it and start trying to raise money for it and then and so it's a challenge it's hard this is what every almost every dance company does you know and then they try to find the funding I've done one kickstarter in my life for the for a piece that I did on Governor's Island mm-hmm. because it was a big piece site specific piece I said I would never do a Kickstarter again. Yeah, but it's I hard. Bet, yeah, I but bet. I really feel for anybody who, when they're doing a Kickstarter, when any of my friends are doing a Kickstarter, I just feel for them. I'm just like it's torture. Well, I think also you you have to wear all these hats. Yeah, you know, it's it's one thing to be part of a company, and you know, all you have to do not all, but right. you know, you have to rehearse and you perform. Right. Is New York a user friendly place to do what you do? Yeah, I mean, New York is the place where I feel in America where I feel 
Well, I have a community here now. You know, I mean, I've been here so long that I just, my family is here. You know, my, I'm raised. Your professional family. Yeah, my also. professional yeah. family. Mm-hmm. And and I've thought about leaving New York the whole time I've been here, you know, at different times, you know, taking a job somewhere else. or. But um, I think that I keep coming back to this I feel support and I feel community and I feel sharing and, and intellectual ideas around it. And I have had I have friends who have moved out of New York. And so I know that there are art, artistic communities around. Well, of course, I mean, that, that would that be I, really that, full of us. Yeah. You know, to, you know, to think otherwise. Where those people are, I think, oh, could I, could I go there? And, we could go there. Yeah. On a tour. <laughs> right, I could go there on a tour. No, no, no. Yeah, I but mean, I'm just you thinking, could bring your comp. Right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could perform there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But there is so much here. There is so many more people here. There's so many more people doing the work here. So that feels like a support, but it also feels like we're all trying to, to get compete. the same yeah. thing, mm-hmm. jobs and mm-hmm. the same grants, and that mm-hmm. you know. So that's a challenge. But yeah, so those are things I think about when it, with respect to how hard it is or mm-hmm. how. It was never easy to just put a show on, but I try to make it feel to simplify, you know, Mm -hmm. just to figure out it to every time I start to make it too big of a deal. I try to just go, I just want to make this work Mm -hmm. and I just want to express this thing Mm -hmm. and it and and how can I do that simply? So there's an ebb and a flow, in other words, that you can go for a while and not not that your creative juices aren't flowing, but nothing is speaking to you necessarily. And yeah. then all of a sudden something will, and it just comes out of you or it just flows. And then you're ready to, quote, take it on the road. Do you tour? I do tour. Uh-huh. Yes, I do. And um, a piece that I made last year that that premiered at La Mama was a collaboration with Polish dancers, three of my dancers, four Polish dancers, a dancer from Belarus and a dancer from Ukraine. Wow. So I had gotten funding from the Polish Adam Miskiewicz Institute and the Trust for Mutual Understanding had helped me and we went there and we we did workshops and we worked on these ideas around sort of coming together and discourse when when the world is sort of divided. Mm-hmm. And we made this full evening length work and we premiered it there in Lublin. In and, Poland. In Poland, Lublin, Poland, yeah. At the at, There's a dance festival there. And then we've, we brought it here to La Mama. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you can be with another culture and sort of I collaborate and, and, and share ideas. And their, you know, their culture is so different from ours. And yeah, it, it was amazing. So... You wear many hats. Yeah, as a, and all does that become over do. become overwhelming? It does. It does. It's you know, it's not the ideal um, situation I thought it was going to be, where you just get to create. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. Dance and don't have to studio, do the mundane stuff, and you don't have to. You yeah. know, you don't have to do any of the stuff. And um, but that is, I just have come, especially in the last year, come to the realization that that is not reality. Like if. I mean, now with social media and everything, all of my young students are like, you have to brand yourself. That's a thing. You know, I mean, even that part of it is I like, know. and I am so, yeah, I, I almost want to throw up I every know. time I look at my Trust kids on me. the phone. Yes, know? I totally understand that and, it's the op- and empathize. And I feel like it's the opposite of like what we're doing now, looking at each other and talking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the mm-hmm. opposite of what we do as dancers because it's bodies in front of you moving. And it's it's necessary to sort of reach all those people. Is there an ebb and a flow? You might be performing. 
more one year than another. I don't know if there is an ebb and a flow because I sort of just try to I try to just live in the moment now. It's like the only way I can still stay sane. But I feel like there's a there is, you know, definitely when you put on a show, you spend a lot of your own money. I remember a dancer, a choreographer who's pretty well established sitting down with me and telling me, talking to me about his show, and he had said that he had to refinance his house in order to do the show. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, how? And to hear somebody who I looked up to and who has a dance company that's well-known, you know, tours a lot, and to say that, I just thought, wow. it's That's the reality of it, is that you, you, you spend money, you it's like you threw a big party, and then you have to sort of regroup to mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to start the next thing. So you start small, you know, and, and so there is an ebb and flow in that way. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. You put everything into a show, right? You put everything into it with the ideas, the rehearsals, and the and the PR, and the everything, right? And mm-hmm. then and then it happens, and for dance or concert dance here, it's, you know, maybe four shows if you're lucky. You know, it's not like Broadway where it goes on. It's right. like you have four it's shows. It's a very limited run. Yeah, and so there is there is sort of an exhaustion that comes with that. And mm-hmm. so I think there is probably a, an ebb there you know, after. <laughs> but it also must just make you feel terrific. Right, to get it out and to have the discourse around it after, even after, and how it touches people. I mean, that's like what is, but what is the thing is that's important. You know, it's like. I want to pick up on that word discourse. Yeah. So after a performance, there's an interaction with the audience. Some places have like a talk back, you mm-hmm, know, some places mm-hmm. have that. Sure. And then they have a moderator for that. And uh-huh. the audience can choose to stay or not. But um, there's always discourse, you know, with with uh, the audience because we always hang out after and talk to the, you know, see what they saw mm-hmm. and, and feel what they felt and, and sort of that's talk great. about it. So it's yeah. nice. It's That's a nice, yeah. A nice after party. Well, where are you in this process also in the sense that are you performing? I am performing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool because you the stereotype is as we get older, that doesn't really happen. Last I got injured last year. So like the Polish piece, I didn't perform in it, you know, that piece. And, and so there's something easier about that because you get to watch the dance make it and you're up from the outside. Sure. So, but this piece is so personal about women artists, you know, during fascist times and sort of came from such a like personal place. And the women that I'm dancing with are really some of my best friends in in the dance world, mm-hmm. sort of the they're all amazing women, and they're all of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Nobody's as old as I am, but they're all Would you older. share that number? 51. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. mean, in the dance world, I guess that's considered old. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know if it's old. in my world, it is. <laughs> Modern dance is different. Yeah, the women that are in this piece, the six, the six of us that are performing have had varied careers, and they're all from different countries. So they wow. all have danced in professional companies in the city, but also they lived here at one point. I've worked with each of them in different kind of situations. Mm -hmm. And then they all uh, live in their respective homes, countries, and they perform. And now they choreograph, and one's the chair of a dance department. And so they're all women of power, Uh sorry, seemingly power, powerful women. So Mm Um, How empowering that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being around them and being in the studio with them and throwing around these ideas and sort of sharing our experiences has been amazing, you know? 
So this is a real personal piece because of the political. Mm. What is it called? Light and Desire. Why? Well, I came up with the title early on before the piece became what the piece is. But it started out being about this sort of light or hope or sort of like inspiration. I think the light part of it came from that. And desire came from this sort of way of moving forward. Sort of like how do we keep moving forward even when obstacles are presented all the time? Mm-hmm. Like how do we, we as women keep moving forward? And that desire is part of that. How, you know, what we want, what we see for the future. And I have a Buddhist practice and we're always talking about sort of attachment and desire and sort of like how that can help you move forward. But also if it's too much, it can also really take you down, Mm, you know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this sort of play between this sort of hope and light and this sort of moving forward, I think that the the title sort of came from that. Mm -hmm. It was so long ago I made that title, but it sort of really fits now. Is there hope in the piece? There is hope. There's a chorus of 15 women Oh, that is in the piece. Oh, how the, interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'm hoping to have this workshop around these 15 women in each city that we tour to. But since I'm in my city, the people that are in this piece are 15 women that I've known because they were all, they're all Barnard alums mm-hmm. from some year. They're all different from different years. And, um, yeah, they feel like the sort of social activists, like women's march in the piece. They come in and out of the piece about four times. Mm-hmm. They come in and out of the piece. But they feel sort of like what I what it feels like today for me, what these young people have and the potential that they have and the sort of they give me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I've been really moved by my students and the, the strength and sort of you know, I teach at a women's college, so there's a lot of talk about what we need to do and and how to, how to find power and how to find sort of movement forward. And so I I got so inspired. I thought I just need I need this chorus of women to come in and out of the piece and sort of just and they're all, you know, they're younger than us. They're so it feels like there's this sort of there is this hope for the future. I got that. What does that mean exactly, that you're a professor of professional practice? I've never heard of the title of that kind of a course. I've been at Bronner for 14 years, so I'm a professor. It's a professor uh, who who is an artist, basically, somebody who's practicing in the field Mm -hmm. rather than a scholar. Professor of professional practice was created for the people who are practicing in the field. Mm -hmm. So you have hope for the future, don't you? I do. I do Based on right now <laughs> working with young well working with young people yeah. I would be terribly remiss if I didn't ask you if you still work with somebody named Bill Young I do I do I still work with him yeah we we still make work and we still But um, he also has his own professional life as well Of course yes mm-hmm. yeah 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 Is he mind taking orders from you? <laughs> <laughs> no. He's always been really supportive of my work, and, mm-hmm. and he would probably say he takes a lot of orders from me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're in a good place, in spite of what may be happening around us, that you're able to take that and 
and use it for yourself and use it on a, on a grander scale. Yeah. I mean, I think that these dancers and these, you know, this chorus of women, they've really helped me. The piece has been cathartic to sort of move through really rough times right now, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what artists do is that they figure out a way to share and to sort of work through these moments and express, um, you know, how they're feeling and and hear other people feeling the same way and what we can do, how can we move forward, figuring out solutions rather than just, you know, freaking out and staying home completely depressed, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. about what's going on. I think what's also interesting is even though your pieces may be political, they're also helping us to transcend I think that's why it's been so cathartic, too, is because what happened was it started, this piece started out with a lot of anger. Like, I just was Got so it. angry, mm-hmm. right? And and as a woman, you're not really allowed to be angry so much, Still, right? Yeah. yeah. We started having conversations, the dancers and I, about how we move through obstacles, how we find power, how do we feel good about where we're going, and how do we support other people. We started to focus on that moment when you shift, I think the transformation between when a change happens, mm-hmm. sort of like the anger and the feeling of helplessness or like things can't change or we'll never have a woman president or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right. And then how do you transform that into hope? Exactly. And possibility. And, some and positivity. And positivity. And I think what happened is is that we started focusing on this idea in the piece, mm-hmm. we started focusing on this idea of transformation. Mm-hmm. And I have a daughter who is a is 14, so she's transforming into a woman before my eyes. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I'm older. I'm transform. We're all transforming because right. change right. is constant, right? right? But I started to become really interested in that transition between the change mm-hmm. to try to figure out, sort of like research, how do we get there? Because here's these powerful six women. They might not feel powerful, but they to the world they look powerful. They they run mm-hmm. festivals. They're choreographers and chairs of departments. How do we get here? How do we transform? So we started working on just physical ideas of transformation, like changing from one state to the other. Mm-hmm. Or there's a film in the piece by Carla Forte, a filmmaker who's also dancing in the piece, but she created this beautiful film that sort of slows down. Uh, one of these events of state changes. Mm -hmm. When something's really slowed down or you really focus on it, you don't quite always know what you're seeing. You know, like a a scream could look like a laugh or a a protest can look like a song. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in super slow motions. And there's this feeling of like, oh, okay, the shift is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And so we started focusing on that just physically in the piece. And we started researching that kind of idea in different ways. So the piece, something political and sort of like negative turned out to be like, how do we move through? kind of thing. And to offer hope. And to offer hope. What yeah. a great way to end. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Colleen, it was such a pleasure to meet and get to know you. You too. And more continued success Thank and creativity. You. Thank you. And you'll keep us abreast of what's going on in your world. I will. Thank you so much, Sandy. Sounds like a plan. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.